Welcome to the Brief Transitions Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Clavier, an engineer turned entrepreneur, mom of two, and founder of Brief Transitions Mesh Underwear. This podcast is for you if you're going through any type of transition, whether it's related to your career, parenting, or other parts of your day-to-day life. Each week, I'll have a guest or topic that shares a story, as well as actionable tips for navigating life's transitions. Now, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Brief Transitions Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a tool that I've used in my own life that's helped me both personally and professionally understand more about myself. So if you're someone that loves personality assessments and digging in and figuring out more about how you operate, then you're going to really like this episode. I'm not going to be talking about a personality test, but I will be talking about something similar. So the tool is called the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, and it's given by a company called Herman International. And what it does is it measures your thinking preferences. Okay, so what does that mean? That means it measures how you prefer to think, where your brain goes when you're faced with certain situations, problems, circumstances. Okay, there's four different quadrants. I'm going to get into all of those. But really what it is, is it's a tool that you can use and apply in so many ways. This is why I love it. It's based on Nobel Prize winning cognitive science, and it's backed by 40 plus years of ongoing research and application. So it's a really robust system. That's the other reason why I love it. The engineering side of me um, really likes that it has that power behind it. Okay, so... The system itself is an assessment that you take. And like I said, it measures how you prefer to think, not only when you're faced with a regular problem or situation, but also how your thinking preferences change when you're under stress or under pressure. So, you know, what happens when you're under stress? Do you get more angry? Do you go more into like fix it mode? Do you analyze and get caught up in thinking? There's there's all different things you can do, right? So it's about which things are you doing and being aware of what they are, right? So there's no right or wrong with any of this. Everyone has different preferences. Everyone has all of the, the four quadrants in them to some degree. It's just which ones show up for you more. And then the other part of what I love is that you can apply this in so many ways. So it's impacted how I look at even myself with my family members and communication. Um, It also works, you know, in my business in terms of developing business strategies. There's a lot of different applications that you can use from this information, which is something I love because a lot of times it's like, here, this is where you are and you sit in this box and, you know, that's it. And this one, it's much more like, you know, understanding who you are and how you prefer to operate and think and then what can you do with that here's a way to apply it you know go apply it to there's all these they're called whole brain applications so you can talk about whole brain communication and whole brain business strategy and whole brain project management and they all operate from this place of making sure that you're aware of all of the different quadrants it's not about changing anybody or saying oh this person's wrong and you know th- this is how we should be operating the business. 
it's really about how can you have the diversity of thought to run your business, for example, in a whole brain way so that you're not leaving anything out. So you're looking at the facts and the figures and the people and the ideas and everything. So I'm going to share more here about the different quadrants. We'll dig into each one. You might relate to certain ones more than others. So let's see. Okay. The first quadrant that I like to start with is the A quadrant, the analytical thinking quadrant. If you picture a circle, I'm going to basically cut the circle into four pieces. If you look at a pie, and I'm going to cut it into four pieces. And the top left piece is the analytical thinking quadrant. This one is all about facts, dealing with facts and figures. It asks the question, what? And it's all around data and analyzing and financials. So if you have a business, you know, you might be looking at what your product offerings are or what your financials are. Anything that's really in that analytical thinking space. The bottom left quadrant is the structural thinking quadrant. This asks the question, how? And it's all about operations and process and details. It's very detail-oriented, organization and order and procedures. Everything that's more structured in nature, really the, the doing part of the whole thing. The bottom right-hand corner is the relational thinking quadrant. So this asks the question, who? And it's all really centered around people. So looking at emotions, relationships, feelings, drama has a negative connotation a lot of times, but all, all of that that comes up with the feelings piece. And in terms of if you have a business, for example, it's around who is supporting you. You know, what team members do you have? And then also who in terms of the market, who is this for? Who is this product or this service for? Or who are we trying to help in, you know, whatever case you may have, whatever situation you may have. So it's all about the people. And then the top right quadrant is the experimental thinking quadrant. And this asks the question, why? And it's all around the big picture the brainstorming, the creativity, the vision and the mission and the idea generation. That's all in the why. It connects to that purpose. It connects to the vision of, of what you're planning and what you're doing. Okay. All four of these quadrants together make up the whole brain. So certain quadrants you may resonate with more than others. There's the data of the analytical thinking quadrant. There's the, the order and organization and detail of the structural thinking quadrant. There's the relationships and the people with the relational thinking quadrant. And then there's that like vision and purpose with the experimental thinking quadrant. And all of these together, again, they make up the whole brain and you may resonate with certain ones over other ones. So, you know, you may feel that you think in a more analytical way or you think more about the people first, if you just pause and think for a minute about a problem that you're going through right now, or even a change that you're going through right now, how are you tackling it? What do you do first? So are you someone that looks to make a list as the first thing and says, okay, I'm going to, you know, these are all the steps that I need to take. I need to know, you know, how to dive in and actually get things done. You know, like getting things done makes you feel better. Or are you someone that goes and, talks it out with other people and says, 
you know, oh, this is happening, you know, do you have some time to listen? And, and you try to just communicate and express yourself. Or do you look at, you know, the data of what's going on and saying, okay, well, let me really look at the numbers first. Like what what is actually happening here? So each each quadrant has its own way of looking at things and tackling things. And again, you have all of them in you already, but it's more about which one comes out the most, right? And then along with that, like I mentioned before, there's this stress and pressure piece of like, how do you change when you're not in a steady state? Do you still gravitate towards those same thinking areas or do you move to something else? For me, I'm my strongest preferences are with the analytical quadrant and the relational quadrant. But when I'm under stress or under pressure, I get even more into the relational thinking quadrant, like like off off the charts <laughs> in the relational thinking quadrant. My analytical goes down quite a bit. Um, and it can show up in different ways, right? But that feeling takes over. The feeling is what comes to me. And it might show up as anger sometimes. It might show up as like, you know, needing to cry or needing to talk to other people, whatever it is, it can look at a lot of different ways, but that's kind of how I process. I go into those feelings first before I can tackle the other things. So then the question is, you know, and why I think this is so powerful is even if we take just that stress and pressure piece is, you know, if you're going through that, what can you do to bring yourself back to your own center? What can you do to bring yourself to a grounded place so that you can use all of those quadrants again? So you can go into your strength areas, your preference areas, but then also use a whole brain approach. So that's the other piece, right? The first piece is understanding your preferences. And then the second piece is applying it still so that you make sure you're kind of taking a look at everything. And it doesn't have to be this this long drawn out process. It depends what you're doing, depends if it's a project or whatnot, but really taking a look at, hey, am I considering and am I, am I evaluating all the facts? You know, do I know why I'm doing this? Who is it impacting? And how do I get it done? What's my plan? So really looking at all of those pieces, again, no matter what you're going through, right? You could even use it for, you know, planning a move, for example, <laughs> which I'll talk about in another episode. But in any case, it's to share about what this looks like and how that can be helpful for you in different pieces, you know, and parts of your life. So for me, I learned about it in corporate and then I ended up, because my team did a workshop around it, and right around when I left corporate to work on Brief Transitions full-time, there was an opportunity to get certified in this tool, the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, two weeks later, like two weeks after I left corporate. Um, so I did it. I, I loved it so much. I'm telling you, I mean, if you like understanding more about yourself, this is just, it's another tool in your toolkit type of thing. But I loved it because it it showed me in a way that made sense to me, um, you know, kind of what was going on or how I prefer to think and then how I can use that to navigate things, to navigate things with in a better way, in a stronger way. So I went and I did the certification and my friends and family very graciously were my guinea pigs as I, you know, because to get your certification, you have to 
you have to practice with people. You have a practicum and you have to do a certain number of assessments beforehand before you can, you know, do other people's assessments. So I did one also with my husband. So this is another piece that I love about it, that you can do your individual report, but then there's also pair reports and team reports. So they layer on top of each other. So basically, like, you can do this with a partner. You can do this with um, a business partner. You can do it with, you know, a manager to employee relationship. That Those would all be different pair reports. But then you can also do it for a team. So you can see where the team operates. If, you know, you're running a team that's that has all analytical thinking to it, you know, where is the people piece in your business or, you know, in the department? That happens sometimes for us because I was working in a manufacturing, you know, environment. And so it's a lot of engineers and scientists, very left brain. And sometimes we didn't have as much of that right brain, the emotional piece, the ideas piece. Um in the department. So you can layer it in these different ways and see how you are with other people. And then it'll show you the best ways where you can meet and build bridges for working together or understanding each other, or communicating more clearly, all those kinds of things. So I did it with my husband and we were, we were totally opposite in um, how we prefer to think when we're under stress or under pressure I'm telling you, like total, total opposites. So of the four quadrants, the diagonal quadrants can sometimes oppose each other. I'm very, I go, like I said, to the very emotional part, um, which is the the relational thinking quadrant. And diagonally across is the analytical thinking quadrant. And that's where my husband goes. He goes even deeper into the analytical thinking quadrant when he's under stress. So we have like... <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's, you know, okay, like facts versus feelings, you know, and feelings versus facts. And it's it's hard sometimes to connect like that. But when you know it, like then when I saw it and understood it and we could talk about it, it was just so much, so much better, you know, because now we have something that we can think about and say like, okay, well, let's remember, you know, let's take a step back and look at where we are. And then, you know, using different tools and applications and all the things to to navigate it. But when I first, he was the first pair report that I did. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my, my, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so I wanted to share all this with you because, you know, whatever you're going through, it can help to to better understand where you're at, how you prefer to think and process so that you can use it to you know, to make improvements. And again, not to like change anybody. It's not to say like, it's wrong to think this way. So you have to think that way instead. No, none of that. It's really about, okay, how do I prefer to think? How does this other person prefer to think? And then how can we build a bridge and still work together and, you know, improve the relationship or get the project done or whatever it is, it works it works with families. It works in a corporate environment. It works if you have your own business, you know, any of those places. And how can we improve and evolve and have it be something that that works for us and that helps us and supports us? So I hope, you know, if nothing else, that's what you take from it. If you do have your own business, I made a scorecard um, about this. So you can take like a quick 
it's a it's not the full assessment. You have to do the full assessment with a certified practitioner. Um, but if you're interested in that, we could talk about that too. But you can go, I'll put a link in the show notes, maryclavier.com forward slash resources. And you can get this little, it's a business scorecard workbook and it'll it'll show you, you know, you'll do a little assessment of the four quadrants and show you areas where you probably need to have more focus or more support, you know, depending on depending on the situation. Because also when you look from a business perspective, it's about, you know, how are you operating your business? If you're a if you're an entrepreneur or you have like a very small team, you know, are you considering all four quadrants to the whole brain? Because really for any business to operate successfully, you need to have all four of these areas in there, right? The the data, the the why, the connecting to the purpose the people, and the taking action, the process, the procedures, and the doing. So I say all that to say, if you want an assessment, if you're curious for yourself, you can go ahead over. I'll put a link in the show notes, maryclavier.com forward slash resources, and take a look at the business scorecard. It's something that I use and I adapted even for you know, working with clients or the teams that I serve when I do corporate consulting. Um, and if you're curious just for yourself, that's great too. You can message me or shoot me an email. I'll put all of that in the in the show notes as well. And we can take a look at your assessment, which is always super, super fun. I love to do these because it's it's insightful for me. It's insightful for you. And it's just, I'm telling you, when I learned that for myself, you know, and switching from corporate, it was something that I that I found very, very helpful and grounding and like clarifying in a way. So anyway, if you're navigating something and you want to talk about it, please reach out. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. It goes a long way to getting the word out and helping to share this with others. Now it's time for my segment, Life Moments, where I talk about life as an expat, mother of two and business owner, navigating life in France. So I want to share a story today about my first time ordering pizza in France. It might not sound like that big of a deal. Normally, I would say it's not, and it wouldn't appear on this podcast. However, it was an experience because when I called, you know, okay, so let me start with the expectation. So usually in the U.S., at least where we lived in New Jersey, if you want to order a pizza, you call, you say, hey, I want to order a pizza. They say, great, it'll be ready in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And you go pick it up or you get it delivered. Here, delivery is, that's a no here. <laughs> At least where we are, we're not in the city center. So I don't know actually if they deliver in the city center. I will have to check that too. But in any case, they don't deliver by us. So you have to call. So, and I just assumed that it would be similar, right? You call, you say you want to order however many pies, they tell you when you can pick them up. It's not like that. So you call. I called and I said I wanted to order. I think I was getting like three pizzas or something. And they said, okay, what time do you want to pick them up? And I said, well, you know, as soon as they're ready, as soon as you're able to make them, I will come by and pick them up. That's apparently not how it works. You actually need to like book a time slot and, you know, if they have slots free, they will give you a time slot. And if they don't, then they're full for the night and you can't order a pizza. So I, 
I mean, I guess it helps them like regulate, you know, the flow and the kitchen. And so they don't get too busy and then pizzas end up late. I mean, that's definitely happened in the U.S. Like we ordered pizza and it took like over an hour, you know, that kind of thing. So they're probably trying to avoid that. But I called at like 5.30, 5.45, right when they were opening. So I was like, let me just, you know, beat the rush, I guess. And she was like, well, the first time slot we have available is 6.50. And there weren't even people ahead of me. That was just when they're able to like make the first pizza. And I was like, but can't, can I pick it up sooner? <laughs> like, I don't know. I I actually, to be fair, this was also in French. So I put her on hold a couple times and then I put her on speaker. Like I was, I double checked with my husband. I'm like, am I understanding this correctly? We have to pick a time slot. He didn't know this either. He hasn't lived in France for quite a few years now, probably close to 20 years. So he's he's relearning as we go. And um, but yeah, that's apparently how it is. You have to call and get a time slot. So you call and you say what time you want to pick it up and they will tell you if they have something or not. But you can't really call early and say, I want to pick it up now. Or I mean, you can't really call any time and say, I want to pick it up now. They have to have a slot for you. So it's like... <laughs> Oh my goodness. So it makes it a little more complicated. So I was like, are you kidding me? Like it's a Friday night and we wanted to order pizza. Now in this case, we got lucky because they still had a slot that we could take and it was at a reasonable time. You know, it was like close to seven o'clock. Okay, not a big deal. But if they had been full, I was like, okay, well, I didn't plan for anything else. I planned to have pizza tonight because I didn't think it would be a big deal. And now like, I mean, I feel like ordering pizza it's a con there's a convenience factor to it, right? It's like, oh, Friday and we don't have anything planned for food. We don't want to cook. Like, let's get a pizza. But actually, no. <laughs> Friday, if you want to get a pizza, you have to order way in advance because otherwise there may be other people that have already booked and you won't be able to get a pizza. So that's definitely something that I'm still adjusting to. Now, my friend Anne, Anne, if you're listening, I am going to share the caveat because Anne told me that when you live in the city or like right next to the city, you can call and order pizza anytime. I still, I don't think they do delivery, but you can call and order it anytime. So just so happens that basically anywhere outside of that, then you have to pick a time slot. I, you know, and I can't speak for the rest of the U.S., but definitely in the New York, New Jersey area, that's not how it works. So it was definitely not aligned with my expectations. It's okay. I'm, you know, learning something new every day, but I thought you would enjoy that. And, you know, I don't know, prepare you if you ever find yourself here. I mean, there is a Domino's and I have not tried the Domino's, but maybe at Domino's you can get the pizza at any time and they probably also deliver, but we're not a Domino's pizza kind of house. So I haven't tried it. Who knows? Anyway, so that's our that's our pizza story for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Brief Transitions podcast. Please help to share this podcast with others by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I truly appreciate every single subscribe and review. If you'd like to connect with me further, please find me on Instagram at Brief Transitions or visit brieftransitions.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.